Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with Leo Flowers. Have a very uh, funny and relatable episode today with Meredith Grooms. Uh, we talk about her podcast uh, called uh, Super Relatable and how she's writing a book on how to be relatable. And this is powerful because I think that a lot of us struggle with relating to other people, with connecting and bonding with other people. I mean, sometimes we have trouble relating to ourselves. And so today we're going to get into discussing uh, her love languages, <laughs> which, uh, which was interesting because uh, we, we define quality time because, uh, you know, a lot of people, women specifically, are all about the quality time, and uh, and I think that that definition is, is a little different for us men than women. So we talk about that. Um, we talk about how to be relatable uh, and authenticity and the importance of closing the space, uh, it, which is really cool because we, we kind of open with talking about that, and then uh, we call it back at the end of the episode. So stay tuned for that um and then we also get into why dating is so challenging online and how to meet people uh besides apps and how to get people to respond to your messages on apps uh a, a very simple uh she has a very simple fix and i was uh, quite surprised at, at what she said on how to get a response is is it's is so simple, uh, it's ridiculous. It's almost embarrassing. Um, and then we we find out what it means when a woman has dogs. What does that What does that say about her? And then we also get and this is really great. We get into how to time manage. Um, I just listened to um, a video about time management is really about pain management. Because when we are uh, avoiding something or distracting ourselves, is because we're trying to avoid discomfort. Uh, but, you know, Meredith Grooms talks a little bit about what's helped her to get on track and manage her time more efficiently. And we also talk about how to be a champion for yourself. How to champion yourself. We're so good at being rah-rah people for other people, for everyone else in our life, and telling them, you can do it, and you can be the best. And, you know, we especially do that with kids. You can be anything you want. And then, you know, when we have ideas about how we want to live life and what our vision is, we we downplay it and, and, and don't believe in it as much. So sometimes we have to learn how to be a champion for ourselves. We also talk about how to work through self-doubt um, and the importance of your story, right? We also get into how not to implode. We talk about, a lot of people talk about exploding, which is anger and tossing things, but uh, how do you not implode, right? And we also learn some lessons from her parents because their parents have been married, I think she said 40-something years, and uh, we, we get some really important life lessons about marriage, about being together, and about how how to thrive together, um, which is so important. It's, it's one skill to, to find someone. It's a, 
It's another to to be with them, and then even another to to um, to be with them harmoniously, right? It's, a lot of people have been married for forty, fifty years, and it's they've been arguing since day one. So how do you how do you thrive with someone harmoniously, right? So we're gonna get into all that in this episode. Uh, like I said, thank you for rating it. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, when is this going to be released? This will be released uh, one, two, three. Uh, we, I think, uh, New Year's. Wow, this, yeah, this will be the third one. So, look, Friday will be uh, uh, New Year's Eve. I'll be in uh, Vegas at the Comedy Cellar December 30th through January 5th. So, if you want to come hang out with me in Vegas, check it out. Um, also, uh, go to my website, leoflowers.com, if you want coaching. Or you can email me at beforeyoukillyourself at yahoo.com. I only take a few clients, but if you feel like you need one-on-one, if you if you feel like, um, you know, the, the, the therapist that you've gone to see, the help that you've received just has not been... Um, uh, hasn't been serving you, right? You've been struggling with following through with your goals or uh, breaking through limiting beliefs and you just don't know where to begin, um, send me an email and we can help you learn how to manage your anxiety and stress and define a clear vision, organize your health and relationships and reclaim your passion for life. So go to leoflowers.com, click on life coaching and uh, let's get you started. Let's get your 2020 off. Uh, let's get your 2020 started off on a great foot. And uh, with that said, let's jump in to the episode. So, I'm so unrelatable. What? Because <laughs> I was thinking about pull it, uh, like, so it's across oh, yeah. from your mouth. Um, I Because... Uh, I was thinking about like my body language because I personal train, mm-hmm. and and uh, and I was working with a client and I and I was like, oh man, I I, I totally didn't close the distance with her this oh. morning. I should have went in for the hug. Uh-huh. That's why when I when I ran into you, when we met, oh. I was like, let me cl- I gotta close the distance. Oh, see, so, I don't I don't close the distance. <laughs> it's not a love language. <laughs> <laughs> oh, touch is not your love language? It's not. It's low on the list. Wait, what? Know, is it number five? Um, What's number one for you? Number one is quality time. Oh. Quality time and words of affirmation. But then, ugh, gift giving might be number five. I would yeah. say physical touch over gift Especially giving. around the holidays. It's like you but better then, step the yeah. game up. Yeah. It's like, I, yeah. We could be in the same room. You could be over there and be like, this is great. This is great. You don't have to touch me. <laughs> like, we're fine. We have our own space. <laughs> okay. So, exp- yeah. Explain quality time. Because I think this is yeah. where most men in relationships drop the ball. Because ah! it's okay. like, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. I talked to you on the phone yeah. for 20 minutes. Right. No, I don't even need, I don't need that. Because that's, to me, that's like a quantity versus a quality. Okay. So we could be doing our own. Th- it's like in the moments that you do spend with one another, it's just like you're fully focused in there. So that's the quality part of it. Oh, like I'm, I'm, I'm not watching the game and holding your hand. Is Although that what you mean? I could be watching the game too. I mean, yeah, right, great. Right, We're fine right, with right. that. But it's, it's like 
I don't need the full focus to be on me. It's okay. just like you're present in right. there. I'm around. I'm in the vicinity yeah. somewhere. Mm-hmm. I'm not in Cabo sending you photos <laughs> of me and my boys, Cabo. Which Wish is crazy because I'm like, I'm also a very independent person. So then I go on the other spectrum yeah. of it or the other end of the spectrum with it. And I'm like, okay, I don't really need you to be around me all the time. Like, I, I want my space too. <laughs> Right, it, it could be too much. It's like if I if I'm with friends, even with that, like at dinner, then I usually end up phone is down or yeah. phone is away and not there. And I'm right. like, okay, we have maybe one hour together that we get to see one another, maybe each week, maybe once a month, something like that. So why are we doing the things that we could do when we're not together? Absolutely, I try to leave my phone in a car. In the well, car, I try to risk if, if risk I think theft. Well, I put it in a trunk. Oh, okay. Right, nothing visible. <laughs> I'm all about oh. nothing visible okay. Okay. from... The, I'm surprised at how many people will just leave their bags or gifts yeah. or whatever, like, just in the right back off. seat. Like, I the thieves like, are like, it was on the front seat. Even if it's an seat. empty bag, then <laughs> I, I have, like, this piece of plastic. I or, yeah. like, my dog's, like, cover. And <laughs> it's worth nothing if you try and break it. Like, just don't, uh, don't like, break my windows. I don't want to deal with that, that right. hassle. It's more of the time of that. Than, you know, You're you driving know. home all cold because yes. <laughs> yeah. you got that plastic flapping. Yep, yep. It's not a good yep, thing. Absolutely. Uh, I'm here with Meredith. What's your last name, Meredith? Grooms. Grooms. Yeah. Uh, there's a comedian named Kyle Grooms. You're there the, is. You're the second what? Grooms. He's black, bald. Uh, we might be he, related. He might be. I don't know. He's, we'll uh, are, you, are you half black? Or you got some black in you? Uh, what are you? Uh, what are you? <laughs> it's oh such an God, aggressive question. It's, it's a mix of things. Um, oh gosh, I did my, oh, I did my twenty three. Um, yep, twenty three and me. I was like, what is it called? I was about to say the one that's for dogs. Um, I did twenty three <laughs> and me, and it's like some European with like Scottish, Irish, all that kind of stuff. But then there's also like fifteen percent Nigerian in there, and so like it's coming from somewhere. Whoa! But you never know. I don't know Kyle though. Maybe uh, Kyle well, Burns. maybe yeah, maybe you go back because I know it. It even like names some of your ancestors, mm-hmm. which is like I'm like, wow, they're just putting I everybody to, like, on blast. <laughs> or go back and check it again. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's G R O O M S. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then you have a podcast called "I Am Super Relatable." Or super relatable. Oh, just super. I relatable. know somebody on Instagram has super relatable already, so uh, I had to switch it up a little bit. They haven't been posting. For like five, six years. Doesn't that infuriate you? It, yes, and it's it nothing really there. But so I had to switch it up just for, switch it up for the Insta, and there we go. I feel like Instagram is uh, shutting down all these mm. accounts because of people messaging too much. Yeah. How about the people who don't message at all? <laughs> Shut those down. Right. Absolutely. So I can have my name, please. Yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> like submitted a yeah. thing. It was like they are infringing on my business. <laughs> I was like, I have no business up there yet, but I have the website. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh my gosh, he's a. I'm a visionary. At some point, I'm, I'll be able to do whatever. Yeah. Um. So, talk to us. What is it? What is this about? A super relatable. What's? Um. For me, it it kind of came about where I always felt like I had this uncanny like connection with people that no matter what our backgrounds, where we were currently at, circumstances of life, whatever, that I could 
break all those things down. Yeah, because you're mixed we with everything. To... <laughs> That's why. I am everyone. <laughs> uh, you like I mean, Nigerian, right. Scottish, Asian, Native American? <laughs> yeah, of course. It is, it is, yeah. <laughs> um, it, was, it was crazy, though, that I would be able to be in a conversation with somebody that I didn't know, and somehow they'd be like, I feel like I've known you for a really long time, or you made me feel so comfortable. And so there was this thing that I almost said was like this superpower that I had of being able to relate to folks. So whenever uh, I was trying to think about starting the podcast, originally had a different name, but then somebody took that name and they are on like a totally different level than me when it comes to that. So I was like, okay, well, I can't compete and have the same name at that one. So then I, I just started really breaking it down of what do I want to be and who do I feel like I am with people? And I said, I feel like I'm super relatable. And then I just stopped. I was like, ah, shit, like this might be, okay, okay, super relatable, and so it kind of just stemmed from that, but it's just being able to have those conversations with people, whether it's, I do connect with them already, and we have similar mindsets, or it's a totally opposite end of that spectrum, and we can figure out, like, what are the things that we can relate on and kind of build from there. So you're saying you can bring the Democrats and Republicans together, and we- I will be the one to do that. (laughs) In 2020, <laughs> I love it. AOC, watch out! We found we we found her. We don't need don't you. Don't quote AOC. me on that. Oh god, oh god! I'm getting. Am I am I sweating a little bit? Because <laughs> people are going to be coming at me hard on. <laughs> what have you been able to distill? What makes you relatable? Because before you answer that, okay. you know, because like I said, I looked up relatability. Yeah. I was like, what what'd does you, that even what'd you mean? Learn? And so I learned, all right, so it's like, you know, of course, everybody's like, seven ways to be relatable. Here are three ways to be relatable. So I'm like, what are the shortest ways to be relatable? Uh, <laughs> the shortest <laughs> I'm like ways. looking for the one way. Just give me one. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't need 23. To relatable. <laughs> <laughs> um, and one of the things was, you know, of course, everybody says, be yourself. Mm-hmm. Be authentic. Yeah. Which um, before, it used to send me in a whirlwind because I was like, what does that even mean? And I realized, like, what they're really saying is be authentic in the moment. Mm -hmm. Like, if in this moment you're tired, say you're tired. Uh, If you're excited, say you're excited. If you're bored, say you're bored. And so you realize just how hard being authentic is because it could hurt feelings. To tell somebody you're bored is like... (laughs) (laughs) You're not boring. I'm just bored. I've been there. <laughs> right. Uh, my, my friend, her, her, she said her grandfather has no problem saying I'm bored and then just leaving oh a conversation. <laughs> I feel like generally, generationally, sometimes like when you become old, you're just like, whatever. Yeah, I, you get, I don't you get care. a pass. I've listened to too many people. I don't need to stand here for this. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard it all, sweetheart. Yeah, I'm dead. That's great. <laughs> um, so to, to be who you are. Um, in the moment, mm-hmm. and then also um, to close the distance physically between people. Because I, I haven't, it made me realize that, like, I keep a distance because, like, I don't want to infringe on somebody's personal, like space. personal space. But I realize that's a very American thing. Mm. Uh, you go to Asia, you go to um, the Middle East, like, they have no problem oh, gosh. Just, just getting on your you back. You see when the cultural differences are in the line at Ralph's behind you, and oh, you're yeah. like, oh, my God, oh, my God. I am, I'm operating as the American right now. You're like, can you get off my heels right now? 
But yeah, they got no problem breathing down your neck and, 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 and asking for something. So, uh, but those, I'm sure there, there, there was more uh, eye contact, okay. of course, is a big yeah. one, um, which I think is also, I don't know how, what, what culture this relates to, but, you know, in some cultures, it's, it's a very aggressive thing to make. Yeah eye contact sure. or prolong or like you're flirting but oh that was oh, the yeah. other thing they talked about like is hold the gaze for longer yeah. than three seconds they're like oh right. holler right. at me yeah. okay <laughs> <laughs> now we close the distance yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it really does um uh connect you a mm-hmm. lot faster yeah. when you do hold that or even hold the hug for one second Oh, right. You know, because usually you do a quick hug. Uh, boom, boom, three pats on yeah. the back. Yeah, three pats on the back, done. Get out of here. We you know? are friends. <laughs> yeah. But if you just hold it, you bring them and they try to pull away. And you're like, no, 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 no. Just a little bit more oxytocin. Yeah. Uh, it, it changes. It makes you real present yeah, really quickly. Sure. Uh, I, I've rambled on too much. But, uh, but what, like, what qualities do you have? Have you been able to distill it for yourself? Of Ooh, um, Well... We kind of, like, right before we started, we kind of just touched a little bit on this. Of Like, it's funny that you say about closing the gap because physical touch is not really one for me. But I am a, I actually do love hugging people for that. Um, mm. I think that for me, the biggest one would probably become in being present. But also being present in the verbals and the nonverbals. So it's one that I am almost on high alert the whole time of watching all of the nonverbals, how someone's sitting, what their body language is like, what is their eye contact back with me, and I kind of feed off of that. So there's been times whenever I'm able to like read the room and go, okay, something feels like tense in here, or read the room and go, okay, it feels like the energy, the buzz feels really nice, uh, and kind of work and acclimate off that. So I think being present, being able to be aware, and even being flexible to kind of ebb and flow, not changing who I am in that moment, but also being able to say, okay, if someone is kind of stressed, then I don't need to come at them like 100% <laughs> with everything that I have and them kind of just take a step back. So it's being able to to kind of read the people that you're about to interact with or that you are currently interacting with and go, how do I kind of, how do I almost like bring that gap closer a little bit. Maybe it's not in the physical touch. Maybe it's in like the emotional connection. It's in that mental connection or something like that. Um, did you, do your parents drink? My parents don't. They I'm don't. the only person in my family who drinks and that feels so weird. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'll have a wine, please. Um, yeah, my, my dad has never touched it. And my mom, like... A little, it would have been like we're on family vacation and the girls are making margs, but that was so long ago and they don't at all. Wow, I only ask that because I find that people who are really aware or like can read the room really quickly are are one either like born empathic (laughs) um, or their parents, like one of the parents are alcoholic, so they had to like walk on eggshells and. Uh, be like, all right, what kind of mood is dad in today? Oh, God. You know, no. that kind of yeah, thing. Or what kind of mood like is that. mom in? T- yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, but yeah. That, I mean, I could see where that could come into play with that. Um, yeah. No, I know. It's kind of a crazy thing. No one in my family does. Wow. Yeah. Uh, are you the only child? No, I have an older sister, three years older. Okay, and you two get along then? We do. Yeah. Like best friends? I, I mean, when we were younger, no. it was probably not like that. It would be I was the younger sister, the pest, all that. <laughs> I would just be like, I want to do this. Uh, but 
the older that we got, the closer we got. So we we see eye to eye and are very similar in a lot of things. And then in the things that we're different in, it's great because we can challenge one another in those areas. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's great. Definitely. That yeah. So being super relate, I would now it could work for and against you, right? Uh-huh. Because I would imagine on one hand, dating would be really easy because <laughs> a guy's like, oh my God, she's so relatable. Oh, God. <laughs> You'd think it'd be easy. <laughs> I tell myself that every day. You think it'd be easy. Swiping right and left. And <laughs> but, but see, that's yeah. the thing. Because yeah. you, yeah, yeah. you, you, you give off an energy, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. The, the iPhone, yep. the technology doesn't allow for that energy oh, yeah. to see through. So you I have to. I suck at apps. <laughs> I'm just going to, like, I, that's where I felt like middle school, I excelled in the dating world. <laughs> Because that's, you didn't have the phone, you didn't have all that, but it was right. you're there in the moment with people. And I, I feel like that's where I kind of, I'm better. If people get to know or get right. to be around me, then that's where they're going to see me. Yeah. But then in like the iPhone, no, no. Because I'm not taking those pictures that are, <laughs> they're going to draw some folks in. It's like me with my dog or something. It's so stupid. What kind of dog is it? Oh, gosh. She's a, um, she's a nine-year-old, like, Pit cattle dog mix. Wow. So she's like 30 pounds, so she's like pint-sized and super cute. Oh, my God. Yeah. So my my buddy says women who have dogs want kids. Do you want kids? I do. Yeah. You do? Yeah. How many? Three? Oh, God. Um, I would say probably two or three. Yeah. Yeah, sure. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we got to do step one. Yeah. Step <laughs> Those apps have to work. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not but, like rushing, but, like, but, okay, I'm walking outside right now. I'm like, I want kids. But, but why yeah, use the apps? Coffee shops, grocery stores. You're out in these streets, I right? I mean, you're not out in these streets. I don't, I wanna, <laughs> I don't streets, want that to get taken out, out of context. No, yeah. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I tried it. I mean, oh gosh, it's, it's a lot. It's, it can be tiring at it times. Is. Like, even right. just being on an app, like, because if you find someone who, you match with and then you bring that down to okay what i actually want to did i did i do this on a whim or did i really mean to swipe on that person you know any of that um i think that's the challenge is like being out there but i think we're so developed in this like app culture that people aren't out and about doing those things to kind of facilitate and foster those for all of it i mean myself included so um, i know that's the challenge that i get to have for myself of what are the activities that I love doing? And then are those the areas that I might meet people in general? Right. And then within that, maybe there's maybe there's men there and maybe there's men that I find attractive. Maybe there's men who I find attractive, they find me attractive. And then you just keep <laughs> narrowing it down. And you're like, okay, there's one. <laughs> but it starts with you got to go somewhere. Right. Yeah. And yeah. He, he has to go to rehab for him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like. Yeah, He's on parole. He can't yeah. leave his house. Right. Uh, uh, no, you, you're absolutely right. It was a period where uh, I was using the apps. Mm-hmm. And Which I, ones were you using? All right. So I was using, uh, you know, there's a point of obviously where you use all of them. You're yeah. just like, let me just cast a net. And, <laughs> and you and put it in that secret folder on yeah. your phone. Like, <laughs> work. <laughs> yeah. I bet there's an app that hides apps. So I was oh. like, I don't, I don't need people to know. Yeah. <laughs> So, but uh, I, but then I narrowed it down to just Hinge. A okay. friend of mine told me about Hinge, and she was saying how it's just a better quality of people and connections. Okay. 
And that's what I found. I, I tried Bumble, uh, Tinder. Yeah. Tinder, I was uh, just horrible quality. Um, Bumble was, I, I think, as much as we love to say, you know, uh, it's 2019 and, and men and women are equal, women still do not want to make the first move or I mean, even know how to. I definitely give more respect to men who are trying to make the first move. I'll read any message that comes my way on the non-Bumble apps. Yeah. I'm like, God, it takes so much. You're like, what yeah. do I want to say? They even give you like canned responses oh, yeah. now where it's like, don't have anything to say. Here's a suggestion. Oh, is that like, on Bumble? Yeah, on Bumble. <laughs> so it's because, but I have found that when I try, when I try to pull something like from a guy's bio, from his picture, or something like that, and say something, yeah, no response. But whenever I just say hey, and then like a little like a blushing kind of face, like almost a hundred percent people on. respond. And I'm like, I did nothing for this. Like this is so <laughs> dumb. But yet that's the one that like. I, I, so it's like the quick thing of you just got to break the ice somehow. And then I think, okay, right. so if I'm out and about and a guy at least says, hey, that took a lot <laughs> for him to say that. And if he rates more, that took even more for him to say that. So I give respect uh, where respect is due. <laughs> it's so true. I remember uh, it took me like 30 minutes to say something to, <laughs> to this To craft woman. it. Oh, my. I <laughs> Sending was, it to the group text oh, for oh, editing. That. I, I, I even like, I was, I was, we're at a bar. And she was at a table, and I even just sat at the bar, and I just I was ordering a drink. I don't even I, I didn't even drink. I was just like I need to do something while I figure uh -huh. out what to say. <laughs> I need a sprite with a lime. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I started talking to this guy sitting next to me, and I was like, man, I really want to talk to her. And he was like, okay. Yo, man, just be genuine. And for oh. some reason, that just it resonated. Yeah. It goes back to what we're saying before, like being authentic. Yeah. And then I was like. Hi, I'm Leah. I want to give you a call sometime. And then she was like, "Huh?" And and I got her phone, phone number. I had to I had See? to say some yeah. other clever okay. yeah. stuff after that. But um, but yeah, just being genuine. I right. was like, "Oh, this works." Right? <laughs> it does. Oh gosh, I know, Leo. It's hard out in these streets. Especially in Los Angeles because yes. it's so spread out. Then you find somebody and you're like, Santa Clarita? Yeah. Jesus. I'm like, I don't go east of La Brea. <laughs> so, oh, you're in the valley. Oh, okay. <laughs> like, you have to be really special for them. <laughs> um, you podcast, and uh, what else do you do? You have any um, other hustles? Oh, gosh. Um, I'm also in the whole mix with like the podcast stuff trying to write a book as well oh, call super relatable as of right now it'll be super relatable as well so um kind of along the lines of the books that i love to read are the ones like ellen degeneres mindy kaling amy poehler uh, tina fey any of those like strong female women who the book is mostly just like stories about life but somehow you can connect to it and you're like oh my gosh i remember doing the exact same thing at that time in middle school, at that time in high school. I remember going through this struggle when I was trying to move and do this. And so you're able to connect with them in that way. Um, for them, they already have that built-in audience and built-in um, people who know their voice. So a lot of what I was wanting to do with the book and the podcast, I felt like it felt natural to do the podcast first so that people can kind of get to know my voice in there um, beyond just like writing and like point of view that way. But yeah. So what, what's the, so what would you say your, your obstacle has been then? Like what's this, what's the, me? What's the, <laughs> <laughs> I've been my own obstacle. Um, yeah. Oh God. This past year I ended up going through a six month 
um, coaching process. And it was actually one of my friends. I've known him for about eight years. And he had just started in the coaching like sphere and was looking to take on clients. And so I ended up stepping into that with him and told him my two goals for this year are start a podcast, write a book and started seeing like how he's there to help you like unlock the things that are stopping you from being able to get to your goals and like asking those questions of like, okay, well, you didn't do your writing today. What did you do in that time instead? And I was like, oh, well, I went to happy hour <laughs> and I watched Netflix and I did this. And you're like, okay, what am I giving my time to? And what is that, what is that gonna cost me essentially in the long run with the goals that I've set for myself? And so um, it helped me to see like the times whenever I kind of had self-doubt and didn't believe in myself that I could do something or that my my story mattered when it came to that. And so I could see how the, both of those creative ventures, how each one was kind of getting delayed a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time for the only reason of, I didn't know if anyone would listen. <laughs> right. When you're like, dang, like that, if, if my whole thing is about being relatable to people, clearly I'm listening to them. So others would be willing to listen to me and that same thing because it's a conversation and that. So, um, yeah, I truly was like the biggest roadblock to me. <laughs> now, you know, what's interesting. I was watching football last night. Who uh, were you watching? Um, Patriots versus uh, Cowboys. Okay. Yeah, I'm a Bears fan. You're a Bears fan. Okay, but, okay, okay. So it's neutral, <laughs> neutral territory for that. Okay, that was, I'm a Saints fan. Oh, okay. So that's where I was like, oh, okay. You're okay. like, uh, in podcast over. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and as I'm watching, I was watching it on YouTube TV because you could record the games and watch it later. And as I'm like, I this is not the best way to spend my time. Oh. But because I hadn't really thought about how to spend the time or plan my time. Right. I was like, well, I'm here. And I was like, well, it's Sunday. Why can't I watch football on right, Sunday? Absolutely. But I, I more and more enjoy watching football less and less. Unless, like, I'm going to the game. Okay. Now, like, that's yeah. more valuable to me. Like, if I'm going to watch football. Because yeah. where I used to just watch football by myself all day. Like, right. that was my Sunday. You wake just up. Get, like, lost in it. Yeah. <laughs> I would wake up. Because, you know, football in L.A. starts at 10 a.m. So I'd wake up, go work out, do some stuff, and then be completely vegged out Uh for the rest of the day. And that doesn't serve me anymore. Now Mm -hmm. it it feels disgusting. But now even just watching an hour of football, I'm just like. It's like the same feeling. It's the same kind of vibe. So I'm like, okay, clearly there's something else that I'm I'm being called to do. Called to do. I've I've been listening (laughs) to too many sermons. Um, With this time. Right. Than just watching it because I didn't have this voice in my in my head yeah. before, but um, but to go back to what you were saying, what your coach was saying is, and and for the listeners is like before you start anything, before you start a diet, before you start w- whatever goal you're pursuing, take stock of how you're using your time oh, first, sure. right, <laughs> and then take stock of what you're eating. You know, because, you know, it's like when you start reviewing what you actually ate that day versus oh what you just like, think you ate off the top. Hot Cheetos, <laughs> three coffees. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm an animal. <laughs> I'm an animal. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, it's like a junior high boys. <laughs> oh, my God. Yep. Um, then you can you can figure out where you're, uh, where you're getting in your own way, sure. where's your trouble point. Um. And then you could be like, oh, 
the same way that Netflix, Amazon, food are kind of chipping away at your time, mm-hmm. it's the same way you can chip away at your goals. People think like yeah. you have to sit down for four hours. It's like, no. Yeah. You can do, you could, Stephen King talks about how he'll like write, he'll sit down for a couple hours, write his book, but then his wife calls him to do something. He'll do that, come yeah. back and write. Okay. And he's just chipping away at it. It doesn't have to be yeah. this all or nothing. Because I think when it's, when you make too big of a goal or too lofty of a goal mm. as like the small steps for it, then you can you can allow yourself to just not do it at all. And you're like, oh, well, I can't, I can't meet the four hours, so I'm going to do nothing. You're like, well, I could have done 30 minutes and said, great, 30 minutes, and then maybe I don't have anything scheduled for a few more hours. And you're like, well, I could go another 30 minutes. That's fine. And then you almost use it as like a reward system of like, oh, well, let's keep going. You feel motivated in that versus being like, well, I can't do four hours, so I'm just going to do nothing. And then you spend four hours doing something else. With yeah. It. Yeah. What else did your coach help you uh, work on besides um, looking at your time management? Yeah, beyond the time management part, uh, I think a lot of it was the – I am a champion of everyone around me, but then there would be times that if someone were doing the exact same things, I'd be like, oh, my gosh, you're amazing. You're so gifted. You're so talented. You can do this. And I would be, like, rooting them on and there for every step of the way. But then whenever it came to my – when I had to kind of turn it back in on me and be the champion for myself in those things because the end of the day if I don't believe I can do it then why should anyone else believe it Um, but I needed to see that I I had that same ability and I had the same capability to do those things if I truly believe in this and um, a lot of it was was me kind of working through a little bit of self-doubt or and not fully doubt, but also thinking, like, does my story matter? And mm-hmm. it's not this, um, oh, God, it's it's not like a crazy thing. I didn't come from so much hardship like this person did. I didn't have this experience like that person did. And I started just doing this comparison game with everyone else that I knew and loved and respected in there and going, I would champion them in that. But it's okay. My story matters as well. And it can connect with somebody in there. So I think working through like the self-belief was a big one. Well, what's powerful about that is, uh, you know, so much research has shown that when we share our our story, Mm -hmm. it empowers us and releases feel-good drugs, endorphins. Ah. Like if you look at like, and I hate the word narcissist because I feel like that's one of those words that we're just throwing around now. (laughs) Um, But they're always talking about themselves. And it's because it feels good. It feels good to talk about your accomplishments. They're always showing you something they've done over the weekend and uh, uh, sharing stories and stuff like that. And but uh, so many people who think their story isn't worth sharing, don't share it. And then um, you lose the relatability. Right. It's like you have to share to get something back. It's like a ebb and flow. Right. Like even being open to people and Mm. to say, like, I'm I'm here to step into this with you. And it's not I think that's where even like what we're doing now, it's a conversation. It's not like an interview (laughs) that because there is that give and take in there. And I think just in life in general, if you're not allowing yourself to be open to anyone, then you're truly just, you're going to implode. You're just there in your own self (laughs) for good and for bad. Yeah. Yeah. Have you, have you uh, imploded? Was there a moment where you're like, Oh my God. Um, Oh gosh. Uh, 
or and you felt like you were about to implode? I feel like with when it came to specifically like with this kind of stuff, then you just feel like what's what's the point <laughs> with that? And it kind of came down to a, a not necessarily a moment, but I guess like a season of time where I had to say like if if I don't allow myself to be open or if I feel closed off or standoffish to others, then then I'm not living my best life, even if I'm not looking at like how what I'm serving for others, if I'm looking at how it serves me in that sense of um, if I'm not going to be open to that, then I it's not the healthiest for me in those senses. Um, I don't know that it was necessarily like a a full blown like imploding or something or just having to come to that realization like little bit by little bit. Um, yeah, a little bit more like that. Right on. So your your parents are still together. Yep. All right. How long have they been married? Oh, God, let me do the math. Um, shoot, there are going to be some. I think every year I'm like, what year is it this time? My dad sent my mom the wrong card one year and said, like, happy 41st anniversary. And she's like, it's only 40, but thanks. He goes, well, it feels like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think it's, <laughs> hold on, what year are we in? Um, they've been married since, like, 75. Yeah. Oh, wow. So they've been married for, like, 46 years about. No, no, 44 We'll go with that. Yeah, 44 years. <laughs> they wow. can fact check me on that later. I'll be like, oh, God, you weren't married then? Okay, cool. <laughs> it's either like 75 or 77. I always forget the, the two for that one. But yeah. And uh, a good marriage? Yeah. Good uh, marriage. yeah. What, what are some of the things that you, you witnessed in their marriage that you want to emulate in your relationship? Oh. Um, my parents are both very strong-minded people which at at times you can say oh gosh like you have two type a personalities and that can can kind of go like head to head but they're both very strong and independent so I think that for me growing up like that's how they trained me hello that's how they taught me and how they parented me was to be strong to be independent but then also know that you do much more when you're in that interdependence with others um so for me, I think a big one is that I can still keep my independence. I can still keep my thoughts, opinions, that kind of thing. But then working with or being in relationship with someone else, then we're stronger together in that way. And um, you're not, yeah, oh gosh, that's a, that, I was not ready for relationship talk on this <laughs> one. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, think it through. Oh God, what do my parents do? Um, yeah, I think for for them, it's just you can have your thoughts, you can have your opinions, and if they're differing, it's okay to disagree. Like, you can agree to disagree and still step into that and still kind of link arms and be like, we're still, we're still going in the same direction together. And then in the times whenever you're both, like, firing on all cylinders at the same level and you're both headed in that, then even even more yeah yeah I, I i was talking to this guy um and he he at a bar and he was talking about how him and his wife um have been married for i don't know maybe 50 60 years Ooh. and um and now they're retired okay. and i was like man how do you keep it going he goes have your own interests uh-huh. she has her her book club and her knitting club and i have my car club and blah yep. blah, blah He's like, don't let the two interests mix. Right. I mean, have the things that you do together. For sure. But have have your own tribes of uh, people that you can go to and 100%. share with and talk to. Uh, so that goes that goes back to what you were saying yeah. about, you know, being interdependent and not dependent on right. each other for 
everything, whether it financially, emotional, you know, all yeah. that stuff. Have some outlets for I that. Think it gives you things to talk about when you are together. Absolutely. <laughs> really great. How was your day? But if you were there for the entire thing, and you're like, how was your day? I know everything you're about to say. Like, that, there's no, that, I would be bored yeah, <laughs> with yeah, that. So even yeah. being able to say, you're not boring, but I'm bored <laughs> in this moment. Uh, I think that's a, a huge thing to be able to, to be able to do with that. Because they do so much together. But then I, my dad will go to like a high school football game that my mom has nothing to do with or something. Like she's in education. And so she works for like one of the middle schools there. And so... He, he knows some of the kids that work there. They go and, like, work out at the gym with him. And, like, th he has his community, but then they also have community together. Right. Yeah. What um, – you talked about when they disagree, mm -hmm. like, they, they work through it. How do they work through uh, disagreements? Because everybody knows how to have a good re right. relationship. Yeah. But is how do you how – how do they verbally work through those – uh, I think the it, there's got to be at some point the realization that there will be times in a conflict where it might be a win-lose. <laughs> Somebody's got to compromise on it. And I think it comes down to knowing know when to hold them and know when to fold them <laughs> on that. And But then there's times where you can collaborate on an idea and you can both win in that and it's not really a, I, I hate saying like the win-lose type thing because it's not about like oh I'm winning in this you're losing in this but how can you both achieve more together how can you come to terms on what it is the the root of the disagreement might be and go okay this is what you're wanting from this this is what I'm wanting from this is there a way for us to both get what we want or is there a way that one of us is going to have to kind of like cave or compromise on something. Maybe it's not on like the entire idea. Maybe it's just on like one thing of, okay, great. Let's do that on Tuesday instead of Monday. Right. And how easy that can be on there. But I think it, it takes being able to communicate with one another and being able to, to know that it's not a win or lose thing, but it's more of a, how can, how can we work through this together? Uh, I, I like it's all about we, right? Mm -hmm. Reminding uh, one of the things I had uh, one of my best friends, Michael Graham, on a podcast, and he was talking about how, like, if him and his girl, uh, or his now wife, if they uh, get into, wait, are they married? So they worked through some things. I think they're married. <laughs> they married. Say it again. I said so they worked through things. Well, they, if, they, they if work, they're married. Oh, 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 <laughs> um, I can't remember. Wait, are they? I don't know if they. Oh, he proposed. I think they're married. I didn't go to a wedding. I, I, don't, I should know this. And I'm like my best friend. This is so <laughs> embarrassing. Uh, well, anyway, they have a baby. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but one of the things he was saying that they do when they have a disagreement, he'll, it's reaching a point or like a boiling point. Mm -hmm. And he'll say, is this enough to end our relationship? Oh, wow. Right? Yeah. And that's a, that's a very sobering moment. Yeah. That's a very like... You know, and it, when the answer is no, which, you know, nine times out of Absolutely. nine, <laughs> it's right. going to be, then you go, okay, so it's not that serious. Right. Let's, let's calm it down totally. a bit and then figure it out, you know. Because yeah. most of the, yeah, most of the time it's not anything that's going to make or break the relationship. Right. But when you allow those things to add up, to stack up and you just, or you just keep avoiding them, like sweeping them under the rug, mm -hmm. then it becomes the bigger thing that then at that point you're like you have so much resentment or hurt or frustration and then that then it becomes something that might be the Absolutely. make or break but if you had 
kind of chip away. Yeah. Like you were saying earlier, like if you chip away at like the little things, then that could prevent the big thing, like the big mountain versus like the molehill. Going back to being relatable uh -huh. and super relatable, okay. how what are some ways that people that you're like, oh my God, you're you're dropping a ball on relating? Uh -huh. uh, have you like because I'm sh even in dating or in business right. or friends, like where do people see people dropping a ball on relatability? I wish I could be like, here's five easy tips on this. Uh, yeah, it doesn't um. have to be that, but it could even be <laughs> yeah. like from a personal experience of like, oh, yeah. you know, like even like, oh, you went into the hug too soon. Yeah. Two arms, buddy? Come on. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think a big one, and this could kind of um, go in any of those arenas. I think a big one is not, not approaching it with like the idea of wanting to understand the other person. Like you come in with your agenda mm. versus saying, well, the other person or the other people that I'm about to interact with they might have an agenda as well. So um, is it from the seven habits of effect, highly effective people where it's uh, talking about like seeking to understand? So I think kind of going in that way. So maybe you don't see eye to eye on something. You're like, okay, help me understand what it is that you're, you're coming from or where you're coming from because I want to know so that I can understand how I'm approaching this. Maybe I'm approaching this in a totally different way or I could just pivot like one step over and then now I'm more effective in like our communication with one another. So I think kind of approaching it with the understanding that everyone has their own perspective going into it. And then also being able to say, I want to, I want to understand where you're coming from. If I don't already, um, I've somehow, I don't know where I got this or how it started in my life, but at some point, if there's ever conflict or ideas, if there, if even if the conflict doesn't involve me, but maybe within my job or something, I'm having to facilitate conflict between two other people, I will remove any of my own emotion from it, and I consider myself in every single person's shoes in the in the scenario. Sometimes that's emotionally draining, and sometimes you don't have the time for that because you have to come to like a quick decision really fast, but. I'll try my best in like the big decisions to say, okay, if I were Leo in this sense, then mm. how is he approaching the conversation with me? What might he be nervous to, to share with me? How, how might he kind of say something or not say something? What are the things he's not saying that I need to be okay with like digging into a little bit more? So I think, I don't know how that came in, but it's, it's, been beneficial for me in my life in a lot of different ways and where friends or family members will come to me when they have big issues going on in life because they're like you you come from or you come with either a diplomatic approach to it or you come with like your Switzerland <laughs> like you come with like the neutral approach to it without involving yourself even if it truly does involve me so there could be some that it's like within the friend group there's conflict but then someone's asking me like hey how do you how do you feel like we should approach this mm. um yeah, I don't know. Where they came so you're you're, so were you? Did you play that role in your family also as of the mediator? No, I or no, which is so weird because I mean, I I guess for me, I've probably grown more into a Type A personality. But I had mom was Type A, dad was Type A, my sister is Type A. <laughs> so I think for me then. I was more of like the observer in that. Like I was I was the most outgoing one. I was energetic. I was very. Um, extroverted and all that but somehow I could then kind of pull myself back and like observe like how things are going on and just kind of fit in the right way um, 
but it wasn't necessarily that I had to to mediate between people at that time. Like maybe more so at, in adult life than like if I know my sister's frustrated with my mom about something or my mom's frustrated about something like that, then now I see myself doing that. Mm. But it's usually over like small things and it's usually like a communication thing um, of just like, okay, well, here's why he's probably <laughs> saying this to me. I get it. Dad's being dad, yeah, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, but yeah, yeah it's more so like that. I don't know where it kind of stemmed from. I, I'm curious to figure that out. But What's your sign? My sign? Yeah, um, I'm astrological. Pisces. Oh, I'm a Pisces. Okay. Well, that's why. Oh, that's why. Yeah. Well, done deal. Wrap it up. Uh, wrap it up. <laughs> done. All right. And podcast <laughs> over again. Um, no, because Pisces what? are. I don't, see, I don't know a ton about it. So what is that? Uh, Pisces are very, one, we're very creative. Okay. Two, but we're also highly intuitive. Oh. Right? Because if you think about a fish in water, like mm-hmm. a shark can sense yep. anything from, any change in the yeah. water from like a million miles away. Yeah. Uh, and we're very flexible, adaptable, like you said, and we have to observe because we're looking out for prey and predator right. uh, in the water. Um, and we're highly sensitive people. So I, I wonder if you would have been more type A if everybody around you wasn't so type A. It was kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, because if you were type A, I would imagine that would have made it. Uh, a tougher environment mm-hmm. for everyone. Oh my God, four type A's. Right, four <laughs> type A's. In the same suburban. It, yeah, road it's trip. not, yeah, yeah, yeah. somebody has to be like, all right, yeah. let's. And yeah. so I wonder like, as you, as now, as you start to step out into your own, because how old are you now? 35. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So then you start to go, now you can, you can share your opinions more. You uh-huh. can speak up more. Sure. You don't have to worry about what other people oh, are yeah. thinking I, as I much. I speak my opinion with my family. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, and we're done here? Yeah. What you said hurt my feelings. <laughs> I know you didn't mean it that way, but it did. So I'm going to hang up. We'll talk in about two days, and then we'll be back. You say that? I, I have before. Yeah, yeah, Oh. Well, I'll so just say I need to, like, yeah. And not even, uh, yeah. I don't, not frequent, but there have been times whenever I said, okay. That was not what I needed to hear. I wasn't calling you to to ask this, but the way in which you approached it, that's not coming from the way that that's beneficial to me right now. So I'm a little frustrated. I don't want to say anything that's going to be out of line or something that I don't truly mean because it's going to be fueled with like this emotion in it. So I'm going to hang up the phone, know that I love you, <laughs> and then I'll I'll chat whenever I feel like I'm ready. That's powerful. <laughs> Have have you always been able to do that, or is that something you've learned to do over um, time? I think it's been within the past, like, two years, and probably more so that. Um, so what was it like before? Was it like, and click, or, like... Or just listen and sit there and just be uh, like, oh, just, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my yeah. gosh. Or you're, like, putting the phone on mute where you're like, are you kidding me? <laughs> they can't hear you, and you're like, you don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so at point, then you're like, okay, I'm an adult right now. Even though, yes, I am your child, but now I'm the adult here in this situation too. Yeah. So I feel like in the past couple of years, it's been more so like that. But yeah. Oh, I've done that with my mom. Yeah. So many times because like, my mom you, but click. <laughs> can talk. Oh, 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 I never, I never hung up on her, but I would, I would put That's the phone good, good. down. <laughs> oh. And because she would just, because my mom's a type can talk forever and 
So she would she would say something and I'd be upset and I was like I don't want to be rude and hang up. Right. So I would just put the phone. I would just go do other stuff and I would have this argument in my head of like <laughs> and another thing and and when I was five you had a PowerPoint yeah. presentation you're showing her all the keynotes. Yeah. But then when I pick the phone back up, oh yeah, mom. Okay, great. That sounds wonderful. <laughs> I put the phone down she and another. You, yeah. does mom, know you ever did that? Oh yeah, I told okay, her afterwards. Okay, yeah. yeah, and then but now we're at a place like you said where. Uh, if if she says something, uh, I'm very quick to be like, you know, I'm not in a space mm-hmm. to, for that. Yeah. Or I'm like, uh, I'm going to call you right back. Let's start this conversation right. again. You know, was like, that recent for you too? Um, or? No. You know what? There was a you period like, where I actually stopped talking to her for a second mm. um, because I felt like we just weren't. Yeah. connecting and I didn't know how to I didn't I was like I don't know how to do this okay. you don't know how to do this shut it down right um because then you start saying things that you yeah, absolutely. don't mean or you're just absolutely. saying things just to say things. absolutely like, absolutely yeah. and I was like when I call you here's here are the things that I need from you here's here's what I don't need from you yeah here's what I do need from you and it's like when I hear the thing I don't need from you mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna hang up. I'm yep. telling you that now. So you're you're dictating my response. Yeah. And it it took a while oh. for because I mean it was a couple hangups. Yeah. And uh, and then finally we're now at a point where and of course is not perfect, but it is ten times better. Right. It's well, it's, it's just it's, being able to say what it is that you need. Absolutely. Where it's not. That feels much more powerful. Absolutely. Like you're not losing anything yeah. by that. You're not yeah. considering yourself helpless. Like yeah. it's strong to be able to say, "This is what I need." Yeah. And I feel like that's a big learn. <laughs> I, I had a, I had a friend the other day uh, say something to me that wasn't, um, it, it it wasn't like it's not one of those vicious things. Yeah. But you know, we all have our little pet peeves, yeah. all those yeah. little things that we don't totally. like to hear. And and they said some, and they said it, and I was like, I know most people don't mind that. I go, but I don't do well with that. Oh, okay. I said it like that. I was like, I don't do well with that. Uh-huh. Uh, and then everything was, you know, I didn't have to deal with it after. Okay. But they understood. I could right, tell they understood. Right. They got it. But I've learned to, like, find different ways. Because I'm like, you know, all the literature is like to say you're hurt, like you said. Mm-hmm. I'm a grown man. Like, I can't. Yeah. I can't. <laughs> like, like I said it a couple times. <laughs> but uh, I'm not comfortable saying uh, and, and what you just said really hurt. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think if I said like hurt. Uh, yeah. yeah. Or the phrasing. It was like the sentiment was there. Yeah. So, uh, but I find that what works for me better is to say I don't do well with that, mm. and 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 that people understand that. Yeah. You know, or I say that's putting space between us. Oh. That's a that's a and okay, people I'm get that. that yeah. Down <laughs> <my notes> <laughs> well, you'll hear it in the, when you listen I'm to like, the podcast. Mom now. It's putting space between yeah. us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should be like, where did you get that? <laughs> I forget, I got that out of a um, I got that out of a book. I, I I wish I could remember what book it was because it was such a um, powerful statement. Yeah. And uh, and valuable. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. um, where you go, this is really a great way to because people understand that. Right. Like, where you're like, uh, or, I, or sometimes I say I feel disconnected right now. I don't, uh, okay. I don't feel yeah. connected. You know, um, and then and then you just kind of observe to see how they respond because right. you could tell like either they don't care. There's like a little shoulder shrug, and then you go, all right, we're done here then. Yeah. 
or like you can tell they go, oh, I, that wasn't my intention. Right. And then you can see them adjusting and you go, sure. well, great, you know. Yeah. Um, but those are hard. It is. It's so hard. Ugh. People are so difficult. <laughs> that should be the name of your podcast. <laughs> People, People are, so, are difficult. so difficult. That Instagram's <laughs> probably taken too. <laughs> But you're growing into your type A now, Uh right? Yeah, now the yeah. At times, I feel like I I flex to like what's the need in the the space, or because there are ways I am I am more type A sometimes in a professional stance than I am in my personal life. Right, Um, but I. There's times even in my personal life that I need to be more type A than than not. And so I think that I kind of flex to what's what's needed from me, at, but what I see, not just based off of, like, what others need from me in that, too. How are you defining type A? Oh, God. Um, and my, my thing is probably, like, not even accurate on there. No, it's not um, about accurate, but yeah, it's just no, like no. how you feel like when you um, go type A versus. Yeah, I think it's going to be, or the way I, I look at it is going to be that strong sense of the person who kind of needs things to be done their way in that. Um, and I think that's probably why I would flex to those things. Um, not to say that they're rigid and can't also be flexible in those things, but it's typically their innate sense is to be like, Okay, well, we're gonna we're gonna all work together as a team. So it's my decision on how we're doing this. And sometimes it depends on like the role in which you're in. If you're in a leadership role, sometimes people by default immediately think like that's the person who should be in charge on this. Right. But um, yeah, oh god, maybe I've been. Do you like about being it. a leader? I do. Or do you do you like I, to be I do independent? For the most part, yeah, I I do better leading than or I naturally end up leading. Okay. Even if I'm not the one in that position, yeah. um, somehow or another, it ends up like by by title or just simply like leading in that. Because I think everyone can lead in their own sense, no matter what role they're in. But if it's in like a group activity, somehow I'll end up leading something. <laughs> yeah. What do you think that is? Because I find that like not that I always end up leading, but. Um, there, there are. I guess I do find myself in leadership okay. positions, and yeah, I yeah. resent it. I'm oh, like, why do you resent so it? So Alexander Graham Bell, there's a biography about him. You know, the telephone guy, yeah. and uh, it's called the Reluctant Genius. Okay. And uh, every step of the way, he he was like, I got to do what now? Like, oh, because it wasn't yeah. as simple as him inventing the telephone. Like he had to promote it, market it, because. Right. Because people immediately weren't sold on it. They were like, this is dumb. Why would I want to talk to somebody who's not there? And, you know, people like walking out on it, you know, stuff like that. And and Watson, not not Watson, was it Watson? Um, I forget. It was a... uh, I think think it was Watson, but not like Sherlock Holmes Holmes Watson, the other Watson, was really pushing him to be proactive to, to promote and yeah it was lighting mm-hmm. a fire up under him otherwise he would have just but um but I, I, re, I consider myself like the reluctant leader okay because my football coach tried to make me uh the linebacker of our football team uh-huh. which would have made me the leader of the football team oh, and I okay. was like yeah. I am not going to leave the football <laughs> team I'm going to stay exactly where I am and, and, okay. and do what my work 
Yeah. What position was that? Uh, defensive move. end. Okay. I was, a, well, I was yeah. a defensive end. Well, defensive tackle, then moved to defensive okay. end. But I was always on a line. Yeah. And where I could just do my work and then go home. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to tell, tell anybody to what to do. Yeah. <laughs> so I've always found myself deferring to positions where I can do my work and be left alone. Okay. Versus having to lead a team. But then I'll, at the same time, I'll, I end up resenting the how things turn out whenever somebody else is kind of leading right 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 i'm just like oh my god like who the fuck is who let this guy (laughs) Uh, right Right? um and so i'm just now like i've had some comedy mentors say to me okay like you have to lead because even on stage they notice it they go come on man like i've i've even had audience members after a show say to me you held back on us. Oh, really? You, yeah, it oh. was like, they go, we can oh, handle you it. You know, you're not funny. Yeah, <laughs> it's so, but it wasn't even about yeah. the funny. It was okay. like, they, they knew I had more to say oh, on okay. certain. You were like restrained. Yeah, restrained. yeah. They okay. were like, we, they go, we could handle it. Oh. And I just, I remember those moments and I, I'm st- I'm just like, ah, oh. uh, even when I'm driving. Yeah. You know, like you're driving on a highway and you're you're in the pack of cars uh-huh. and then you find yourself out front. You had to be at the I slow top down. of the flying V. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like like I do everything to get out yeah. front and then I'm like, huh, huh. and then I slow down and I'm like, all right, guys, let's like, why, don't leave me. Yeah. All right, let's. Yeah. <laughs> Instead uh-huh. of just uh-huh. like taking off right. like Instead I want the to. Pace car, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I definitely could not be the pace car. They'd be like, why is he? Why is he in the back? Um, <laughs> So I'm reading all these books now on okay. leaders. Like I'm reading Abraham Lincoln's book uh-huh. um, just to see like what his struggles were and just to kind of yeah. – because nor- in my head a leader is strong and, you right. know, knows everything. And, and then you realize like they're all crazy insomniacs. The leaders who I typically connected with most are the ones who they weren't out – they weren't seeking to lead. Like right. They just naturally became the leader because people were following their passion or their purpose versus them being out with, I guess, like their agenda for it. Like there's a, you feel the difference. You feel the different, um, for lack of a better term, you feel a different vibe with those people than the ones that you're like, kind of to your point earlier of when you were saying like narcissist kind of thing yeah. where someone's like, well, I'm going to lead us in this entire thing <laughs> versus someone who's just like, Okay, gang, so what should we do? And you're like, okay, they both said the same message, but the tone is what changed it. And now I want to go with a person who's who's thinking about the full group, but somehow is naturally just leading in that way. Right. Yeah, they have much more of a collaborative yes. mindset. Yeah. And, like, and they also have this vibe of, I'm going to do this regardless if you guys follow me or not, mm-hmm. yeah. like this is this I is where I'm going. Yeah. Like you can right. hop on if you want, yeah. but I'm I'm going this way. Yeah, and uh, and it's it's so true. It's all about like you can feel a person's purpose and passion for sure. And like, oh, they're gonna do anything, and it's kind of exciting yeah. when you're around those people. You're like, we're gonna walk <laughs> off this cliff, but yeah. we're gonna do it together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so good about it. <laughs> oh, my oh my god, there's a new big uh, <laughs> room. There's a new uh, documentary on Netflix okay. about uh, Bikram. I don't the, watch the, Netflix. I don't have time in my life. Uh, <laughs> I have too much time. My thing is watch. probably like, are you still watching yeah, yeah. <laughs> right now while I'm here? 
that's a good place to be. I'm always like, oh yeah, I've been watching Netflix for two days. Like I feel like I like I went on an intermittent fast or uh-huh. something. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, Leo, and then like I binge. <laughs> like I make up for it completely. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. I've I've given over to it. But they have one on uh, the guy who started Bikram Yoga. Oh, okay. And I can't wait to read it because he was one of those guys who was very passionate, but. You know, it was all ego-driven because he was using it to, um, uh, he has a couple Me Too situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so I'm interested to see, like, it's how a person's passion can become something else. Yeah. You know, it's like, because I'm sure in his head that wasn't his intention. Mm-hmm. You could tell he very much was passionate about yoga yeah. and, and spreading the word. And then the power and the yeah. all that got to his head. Right. Um, it can become if you don't have the right people like in your corner and yeah. like in your camp to like check you on yeah. things. Like it can it can become the thing that becomes like your detriment. At right, the same time. right. Yeah. So when when people like when you think about your book mm-hmm. and people reading it, who is who do, who do you envision? Who is this book to? And here's what I mean. Yeah. Like I, I'm I'm writing. Uh, I've written a book. Okay. I haven't published it, but I've, it's all. It's all. That's huge. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but it's the book is really for me, my nine-year-old self. I'm okay. writing it to me. Okay. Who are you writing this book for? Is it yeah. a is it a version of yourself? Is it your fan? Like who is it? It's probably the the version of me that was younger and go um, and thinking of when I first wanted to write a book. It was while I was driving in the car, and I think um, it was right after Ellen DeGeneres has written one of her books, but she did the audio book for it. Mm-hmm. And so I was listening to it in the car, and I, I heard her just sharing her stories, and I was like, this is so, it's crazy to hear like the way in which she's sharing just about her life, and but it I can connect to it. And I think that there's so much of it where people may think, like to what we were talking about earlier, of saying like, does your story matter? And maybe to her when she was sitting there, like, pinned a paper on there, she was like, who cares what I have to say about this? Like, other than her having kind of an audience and fame already with that. But if she were just sitting down there of, like, why would anyone want to hear this story about that? Then knowing that your story does matter. There's at least someone, even if it's just one singular person, who can connect to that. And you go, okay, then it mattered to them. So I think for me it's kind of a, a hybrid of, writing to who I was or who I have been throughout my life growing up until this point of letting someone know, like, your story does matter. Whether or not it was a mountaintop story or it was a valley story and you were there stuck in that valley for your entire, mm. like, existence or you were always on the mountaintop and everything seemed great, like, at some point there is something in your human core existence that can connect and does matter in that way and not thinking that you need one or the other other or like those extreme highs the extreme lows in order for someone to go oh my gosh I relate to that oh my gosh that makes so much sense oh I I I connect with that um yeah because I found myself even in in college I I worked at a, a like Christian sports camp and stuff and when kids are going around and just like sharing about their home life about where they came from and you're like it's on that first night of like the campfire and stuff and they're sharing those and I I remember feeling so terrible that there was one night the kids are talking about brokenness from their homes about 
um, abuse that was going on in their homes. And I'm fully there with them in that moment and empathizing with them in that and wanting to just be there with them to walk through this. But then also this other little like voice in my head was like, well, you didn't have that. So why does it like, don't share your story because you, no one's going to connect with that. Like you don't have anything worth saying. And I think that that's a huge lie <laughs> that everyone has something worth saying and it's worth connecting with others in that way. So yeah, so it's kind of like to, to me of the past, but then also to the to other folks who have also been in that same yeah, way. Yeah, because there's a danger in comparing your life to other people's Correct. life where you go, well, at least it's not that bad. Yeah. Or wow, I'm not. I'm not. I thought I was doing well, but the, yeah. you know, The Rock has two million, uh-huh. you know, yeah. likes. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> he has twenty million downloads. You talked about peaks and valleys. Yeah. What was one of your your valleys? Um, the crazy thing is for me that if I were to look at my life leading up to to now, I don't know that I necessarily had like the true, true valley. And that was the thing that I was like, I don't have a valley moment. I don't have that. Like we had to come from hardship and do this. And that, and at times I was like, that sucks. (laughs) Like I, I don't want it to, to look like it's privilege and not be, I, I know that there were some things that I was privileged to do and to access and to live in my life. But, um, in those moments, it didn't, it didn't feel like that because at the same time, I'm like, I'm walking through these, through the valleys with my friends. So it wasn't, my valley, but I was there in it with others. Um, and sometimes I'm like, maybe that's what I was needed for (laughs) is I needed to be not in that so that I could be in it with someone else. So, um, leading up until my adult life, I don't, it's weird to say, but I didn't truly have like that kind of stuff. I remember, um, even when people are going through the loss of a loved one or something, I've, I've had death in my life since, I was probably three or four years old and have walked through that in different ways, whether it was through family or through um, even like school, like classmates and stuff. And um, from what? What were they? What did they die from? Classmates. Um, uh, one through uh, through like gun stuff that. Um, wow. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's some that they drowned boating accidents, like some like kind of like freak accidents with different things. Um, wow. Yeah, a lot of different stuff. So even, even through college, through either my my friends or through um, like friends of my sisters that kind of got connected with and stuff, and then bring in like health stuff as well, cancer, all those things. Like, um, kind of had been walking through that from a young age, and it didn't feel like it was that monumental like valley moment, but it kind of was that steady thing where you 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 just ebb and flow and through it at different times with it. But yeah. Yeah. Those are (laughs) like, I didn't experience a death until college. Really? Yeah. 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 Like those, you know, those are not common stories. What you're telling me to have classmates shot, boating accident. Uh Like, yeah. And then they're like, yeah, I, I don't even know how to, explain from that but it's, um it's uncommon but it felt almost common, common because you were going through it with other people uh-huh. yeah. I, you know and I, and I think that's such a, a great takeaway um for us all in that um 
it's not what you go through. It's like who you go through it with. Mm-hmm. It, and it's, you know, especially you see that with uh, vets who go to war. Yeah. And uh, they're fine when they're going through it with their team. It's not that they're, so they come back here and they're isolated right. and alone that the effects really start to hit them. Right. And that's why they want to go back. They want to go back to that community, to so that, that team. That shared experience. That shared experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why that's why group therapy is so powerful. Or uh, if you could hire or get an executive coach, or just somebody to go through the or a sponsor, somebody right. to go through your experience with sure. you, or at least just share your experience so that you don't feel like you're the only person who's going through right. it. Right. That's the value of right. sharing your story. Absolutely. Is that then you'll find out that other people have had a similar experience and relate and can validate and yeah, and empathize. Absolutely. Um, is there anything we haven't shared that you want to talk about, about being super relatable or, uh, I mean, I feel like we've gone through, uh, with that kind of stuff. Like, I think my biggest, my biggest like driving point in it. And I have it, I have this chalkboard in my like dining room, whatever in my place. And, um, I've kept it up for a year and it just says every story matters. And I think that's mm-hmm. been kind of the driving force behind me. I still write like my grocery list <laughs> on that chalkboard. I'm writing like other things like, okay, pay this parking ticket. It's like my to-do list of things. And you're like checking off all the financial things I've invested in. Um, but at the top of it, it says every story matters. And not only is it a reminder for me with my own stories of like, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. And when I when I want to step into that sphere of, is of self-doubt or self or, or lack of belief in my in myself in this season of life, um, then just reminding myself of like your story matters, and that, but then also of even pursuing the stories of others. I was saying I want to get to know people, like keeping that like curious mind of I want to I want to hear about your life because your story matters, and it, when they're in the moment of it doesn't matter to anybody else. I, I don't know why I'm doing this and pursuing this, like being that champion alongside them. So like self-championing, championing, um, but then also stepping in the corner with others in, in that same way. You know, it, it's so powerful because yesterday I was, I, I went, there's a place called Saints and Sinners. They have okay. these amazing gluten, vegan gluten-free cupcakes. Oh. Um, it's like, three blocks from here and I'm like it's dangerous yeah because I'm like it's vegan and gluten-free I can have as many as I want and it's right. like it still has calories in there yeah, Leo yeah. flowers it still has yeah. calories <laughs> but uh so I was <laughs> I got some and I drove home and I was like these cupcakes ain't gonna make it to the house and I'm like already peeling <laughs> them right. open and eating them and I'm sitting in my parking garage uh, and I live in a building and there's two cars that park right next to my cars okay. and and for like a year, I mean, they, they come and go, but I'm like, I haven't met these people. Oh. And it was just hitting me that like, it's so strange that I know their cars. I don't know the people right. in the cars. Uh-huh. I don't know my neighbors. It was just a, a, a strange feeling, yeah, you know? For sure. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to leave a note on their car and just introduce myself and say, <laughs> hello. Like, hey, I am the, me. yeah, I am <laughs> the Toyota that parks yeah. next yeah. to your, yeah. your, your Camaro or whatever. <laughs> And <laughs> uh, and as I'm I'm sitting in my car and I'm eating one of the cupcakes and I'm thinking about leaving a note, one of the drivers to the car uh, appears oh. and I was like, oh, this is oh my thoughts have power. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. was like, wait, what else was I thinking? Uh oh, yeah, you know that kind of. <laughs> I take it back. I take it back. <laughs> yeah. And uh, 
and uh, I see him, and he's wearing an oxygen mask. Mm. I'm going to have him on a podcast. Uh, black guy, 38 years old. Okay. And like a nine-year-old, I'm like, why you got that oxygen thing on your face? That's my first thing I say to him. <laughs> why are you breathing like that, mister? <laughs> yeah. And um, he, he has lung cancer. Oh, wow. Stage four, just got diagnosed recently. Um, the first doctor didn't um, uh, catch it, and the second doctor did. And uh, and now he is uh, going through chemo to deal wow. with it, and it's not curable. And uh, I was like, why? It made me stop eating my cupcake. Yeah. Like, as soon as he said, because he just, he was like lung cancer. And I was just like, my cupcake was right by my right. mouth. And I was like, wait, does this cause lung cancer? <laughs> I was just yeah. like, the yeah. sugar. And we just had this we had this conversation for about 30 minutes and I was like, I got to have you on a podcast, man. This is going to be powerful to talk to other people about, but it goes back to what you were saying in that it's not always about you and your story. It's about being curious and fascinated and interested in other people's story. And you, you'll draw power from that. You know, like after he told me that I was like looking up lung cancer and I was like, because I'm 43, and he was like, people get it before they're 45, usually, yeah. this kind of thing. And and he doesn't smoke. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, Jesus. So yeah. if you do get lung cancer, how do you beat it? Like, right. I'm just going down his wormhole. Um, and But it just made me grateful for my life yeah. and what I can do. And, uh, you know, you're always trying to get better. Yeah. And you forget to just kind of just say, oh, wait, I'm I'm good. Like... Mm-hmm. If this is it, I'm good. And to say, just say thank you, you know. Yeah. So, uh, Meredith. Yeah. Uh, last question. You're writing a book. What book are you reading? Are you reading a book right now? Or right what was now, um, I'm actually not. Well, I am reading. I'm reading Where the Crawdads Sing. Oh, <laughs> it's gotten five. It took forever. I was on the library list for like months trying to get this book. And yeah. so. A couple months ago, I went home and my mom had it sitting on the counter. I was like, "You done wow. with that book? Can I can I take that book back with me?" So I I ended up getting my mom's copy because I was like number seven hundred on a <laughs> library list. And I'm like, "How many white girls are reading this book right now?" What? So yeah. wait, how far in the book are you? Oh God, how many chapters? Um, I'm at I'm a probably between 100, 125 pages in. Is it is good? Because it has yeah. a full five star. Uh, reviews on Amazon. The thing I love about like being from Louisiana, they're talking about like the swamp. They're talking about like that kind of environment that feels like home at yeah. times. Yeah. But then um yeah, I, I mean so far so good. It I mean it's what fiction, but still like I'm captivated by it. Really? It's kind of at the beginning it probably starts off a little bit slower, but it's I mean it's building up the storyline. If you wow. can put in like time with like game of thrones and all those yeah, kinds of yeah, stories yeah. and stuff then you're fine okay all right yeah, okay good. um and last thing is i always feel like and we understand you're not a therapist mm-hmm. right um there's always someone listening in who uh may be on the verge of committing suicide mm-hmm. uh before you kill yourself what would you say to that person oh that's a that's a big question um I think I would say to that person that no matter how alone 
they may feel in that circumstance, in that situation, um, that there is probably someone who, uh, who wants to hear what's going on. There's probably someone who understands what's going on and is willing to, to listen and would, are they willing to allow someone in that space in order to, to be able to connect with them in that? Um, yeah. Beautiful. There's always someone who wants to listen and, and, uh, and then it's on you to allow someone into that space. That, I, I like that, that mm -hmm. part because you, you, it, it holds you accountable mm -hmm. too of like you have to be, you have to open your door mm -hmm. to let someone yeah. in. Meredith Grooms. Yes. And your podcast is super relatable. Super relatable. Uh, check it out. She's four episodes in. And uh, thank you for being on here. Thank you. And thank you, listeners, for listening in. Thank you for rating it five stars on yes. iTunes, leaving comments, sharing it. I mean, sharing is caring. I appreciate all the shares. Um, and we will talk to you soon. Peace. Peace.